17 or 18. We're just going to cover a few verses this morning. You know, wanted to talk about thankfulness. We're in this prayer essentials, and one of the essentials of prayer is what? Being thankful. We, we but look at me, church. You guys aren't talking to me. You guys are ignoring me. I asked a question. <laughs> one of the keys to prayer is being what? Thankful. It's being thankful. Gratefulness is really a significant thing. Like, I know even with my own kids. Parents, tell me if this isn't true for you. When you bless your kids and they aren't appreciative, do you want to, like, kind of take it back? Gratefulness is a signal. Now, I'm glad God's not like that. Amen. I, I'm human. I'm still, Jesus ain't done with me, right? Okay, so being thankful is a key to spiritual life, and thankfulness is a key or an essential to prayer. If you want to grow in prayer, start with thanksgiving. So I wanted to start, you know, I, I thought, you know, God, is there some, some stuff in the culture, what the culture says about being thankful or grateful? So I just started doing a little research. So I, I think it's interesting, though, that when you look at this idea of gratefulness or thankfulness, that there's actually been quite a bit of study done on it. So there was one group that did a study, and what they did is they asked people to do a, a daily prayer journal. One group, their daily prayer journal, journal was everything they were thankful for that day, and the other group was everything that they were annoyed by that day. Okay, so they did two sample groups. One group is talking about what was really cool. The other group was saying, man, this stinks, kind of bugged me, it annoyed me. This is just some of the outcomes of this study. It, it says this, that, 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 the, the, that the group that functioned, let's see if I can get my tongue working here. The group that operated with thankfulness and gratefulness, they proved to be more determined. So they measured their life, not just in the, but overall. They had a greater attention span. They had more enthusiasm. You ever get around somebody bitter and they just grumble? And after a while, you start grumbling because you're around them. Okay? They have greater. They had greater energy. Now, now I find this funny though that thankfulness. This is a component of God, and it's connected to vision. When you have purpose, you're what? Thankful. And the Bible says this: that where there's no vision, people do what? They they perish. My people perish for lack of vision. That that's Proverbs 29 and. So they, they followed it up with the second study. So that wasn't enough. This is the same group of folks. In the second study, they asked people to keep a weekly journal, just weekly, not daily. And in this group, they saw increased optimism. They saw better overall behavior, like the way they acted was more kind, patient, thoughtful. They, they increased exercise. Hey, some of you want to get skinny? Start being more thankful. I'm just saying. You might want to go out and run and walk or whatever. There's increase in, in, in reduced ailments. How many you get up in the morning, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It, it, it's saying this, that people who were grateful didn't complain as much, they didn't experience as much nagging pain. But watch, thankfulness, a joyful heart is, is a good medicine. This is, this is the, the Proverbs 17:22. Joyful heart's a good merit, but a broken spirit, it dries the bones. When you're bitter, you're in pain. When you're not bitter, you're not. Now, I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to start saying this and I've got this chronic. I'm just saying this. Overall, when you're happy, your body metabolizes differently. It, it has a physiological response on you. And now you guys are like, is this Bible study? I'm getting there. Just hang in with me. Come on. You guys know me. A third study, a third one, they showed that grateful people have better sleep patterns. They have lower anxiety, lower depression. Some of you in the room really anxious, feeling depressed. Maybe you need to start a grateful thing. But li listen, I think God knew this. Watch this. Philippians 4. Be anxious in nothing. 
but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving says, let your requests be made known to God in the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. See, did God know? God, God already knew. They also found that these people, even if they suffered with insomnia, if they were grateful, they were still happier. Even so, some people go, I just need sleep. If I sleep, I'll be nicer. No, you won't. You need to be thankful. You need to be grateful. That actually is what produces it. Thankful people have lower levels of depression. Being thankful, listen, it's more powerful than sleep. I like to sleep, but I know this, that when I'm grateful in my heart, there's a different attitude toward life, toward family, toward finance, toward people, toward ministry, toward everything. You just have an overall better outlook. Now, now, now if that was enough, one more study for you. This is just the introduction, though, okay? <laughs> Another study shows that gratitude increases your brain activity. It activates your hypothalamus. Like, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody say amen. Like, this is God's idea, right? And it con which controls our eating, our drinking, our sleeping habits. Your stress levels are controlled by how your body re responds. And it increases your metabolism. Just being thankful. Like, thankfully, like, I, I got to be honest. When I was reading, I'm like, no way. This is lying. God's like, really? You're, you're studying thankfulness and you're going to be bitter? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes we just, it's, but watch, watch. God knew this. As somebody believes within their heart, they what? Become. When you're a grateful person, you become gracious. But when you're a bitter person, aren't you sometimes grouchy, edgy? No, I had one of those moments this week, you know, I'm studying thankfulness. Actually, my, my mother-in-law is here, so I'll tell myself. I, 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 we were talking about a family issue, and I was like, grumble, 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 grumble. You ever hear the Holy Spirit say, would you just be quiet? <laughs> you know, you ever heard him say that to you? I'm growing. It finally, he's like, just be quiet. And then, I, then later, I was just talking with God. I was like, okay, God, why, why did you tell me to be quiet? He said, because I need you to believe well of people. I need you to see good in them. I need you to be positive, not negative. I'm like, okay, my, my heart was wrong. And he said, yeah, your heart was wrong. Just believe well of people. Am I talking to anybody in the room right now? Because this is a challenge. You see negative things or if there's history sometimes. And God just says, listen, be gracious the same way I'm gracious to you. You know, I'm fascinated anytime I look at these studies, this kind of stuff, to find out that God already knew that. I mean, it's not, not like we're discovering anything that's new. So this morning, I do want to talk to you a little bit about thankfulness, and, and I want to do it out of uh, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, and, and just capture a few verses. Now, what's interesting, this morning, I'm not teaching you a prayer. The other, other weeks, I've taught you actual prayers. This is kind of a principled study. This is kind of something that hopefully, each one of you will take away a few nuggets that maybe apply to your life. Maybe it'll stretch your heart out a little bit. Maybe it'll allow you to be a little more gracious with somebody. So Paul is writing to them, and, and I'm going to do the precursor to the verses that I really want to talk about because they put context to what I'm going to talk about. So in verse 12 of chapter 3 of Colossians, it says this. It says, so as those who have been chosen by God. By the way, is that us? That's every one of us in the room, right? Chosen by God. You're chosen by God. There's three of you answering me. Where did the rest of you go? Have you all been chosen by God, yes or no? Yes, you've been chosen by God. So, and, and it says this, that you're holy and beloved. It says, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, 
bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should forgive them. Beyond all these things, put on love. Say, put on love with me. Man, we've got to put on love a little more often. Amen? Which is the perfect bond of unity. So just to walk through these thoughts, Paul says this, to be holy, which just means be set apart to God. In other words, be available for God's use. That's what that means. Our, our behavior, our actions, our lifestyle. He said, beloved, this is sacrificially loved. Don't only receive the love of God, but be ready to do what? Give it away. See, I don't know about you. I'm, I like a lot that God loves me. What about you? Like we sing, you know, the song, How He Loves Us. And I say, oh, it's all gooey. Jesus hugging on me. But I think this, he also wants me to do what? To love other people. He wants me to extend the same sort of kindness to others that he extends to me. He welcomed me when I was dead in sin and trespass. What about you all? And then he says, now love others the same way. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. I had to tell on myself right now. The longer I've been a Christian, the harder it is to do that. Like, you guys ever find yourself getting religious? Like, you arrived a little bit. You get what I'm saying? Okay, there are a few heads agreeing with me. Okay, so we'll talk. Okay, now the re reality is this, that, that the longer you can get, like, kind of tainted by life and sin and people, and God says, don't let that stuff affect you. Keep your heart pure before me. The way that I love you, do the best you can to love others the same way. Accept them in whatever state they come. Listen, as a pastor, I can tell you, I have people come in all sorts of states. I've seen them come really healthy. I've seen them come really broken. I've seen them come broken and they think they're healthy. I've seen it all. And I know this, just love them. Just love them. I know this, that if people sit in the room long enough, God will get into their business and start to grow them up a little. That happened to anybody in the room here? Help me. That's what he does. He just shapes our hearts. And what I love about God is he's really kind when he does it. I'm not as kind. I'm just not. I'd like to be kinder sometimes. But God is really, really efficient, capable of doing this. He said, love people where they're at. He said, have a heart of compassion. This means to think of people, if you were in that situation, how would you want somebody to behave with you? See, compassion is an outward thing. It's love expressed. It, listen, it's why we're collecting gloves and scars, because I know this, if I was on the streets and I was cold, I would be really grateful if somebody handed me a scarf. Am I telling the truth right now? So it's really, really small for us, like a few bucks at a Dollar Tree or running through Target, grab a couple things. For somebody who's on the streets, this is the love of God. This is an expression of what Jesus would do. When, when I was hungry, you clothed me. When I was naked, you fed me. That's what Jesus would do. So I want to give our church an opportunity to do this. Listen, can I, can I give you guys a little encouragement? If you go buy gloves, you don't have to bring them to church. You can just go give them away. You can. I, I'm just saying, like you drive by somebody, just stop and, and bless them. Okay, that's free. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> then he says this, to, to operate with kindness. This is moral goodness or integrity. He said to, to do it with humility. This is a humble opinion of oneself. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I struggle with that one. Like just having a, a humble opinion, a, a reasonable opinion of who you are. Like we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, amen? Just be humble. And even if you've gotten somewhere, like you're not stuck anymore. How many of you are not stuck anymore? Praise Jesus. How many of you are not stuck anymore? There's more of you than that because I know you all. Some of you are not stuck anymore. 
Don't leave, leave, let that be something that makes you higher than other people. Allow it to be something that makes you remember when you were stuck. See, when people come around me and they talk to me about being stuck in a lifestyle, you know, drugs or alcohol, that sort of stuff, I have a lot of compassion for them because I was stuck there. Like, I get it. I know the battles. I know the, I, I know the decisions that need to be made to get free. I know the friends you got to cut off, the things you have to say no to, the places that you can't go anymore. Am I talking to anybody right now? I know I am. I, I know those things because I've been there. But I was so miraculously and supernaturally set free that when people come around, I'm like, hey, God can do this for you too. So I just want to encourage, so I, I, I do really well with that. I remember when I was stuck and I remember how powerfully God set me free. He said, do this with gentleness and patience. Tell me if this is true of you guys. When you're not patient, you're often not very gentle. See, they kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Like, I, I mean, I was, oh, I was just, I failed at this yesterday so bad. You just don't, honey, she's smirking. I was like, grumble, grumble. She's like, let's do a little Christmas shop. I'm like, I don't want to do it. And then she said, let's go to Hobby Lobby the night before. I'm like, God, that's like hell. I don't want to go to Hobby. I hate that store. I seriously, I sat in the car for like 15 minutes before I went. I hate that store. And I'm like, man, can we just go to Bass Pro Shop? I love that store. You know, and I just, uh, in my heart, and then we were, wrapping gifts, and I'm like, the girls want to go to the beach, and I want to go to the beach, and, and I was getting annoyed. I was, and God is my witness. I did okay, I think, because I didn't say anything, but it was on my face, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, just don't say it, just don't say it, and I could feel myself being edgy, and she said, honey, take a deep breath. Once you get to the beach, you know you're going to be fine. You know what I hate is that she was right. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> I did, we pulled up to Balboa. As soon as we got out of the car, I'm like, that's the ocean. I'm like, girls, let's go get a donut and some coffee. Let's go walk the pier. And we did the sunset stuff. It was really cool. We didn't even stay all that long, but she was right. But I know this, when I'm not patient, I'm not gentle. But when I'm patient, I can be really gracious. I can be really gentle. This is true of all of us, right? Patience is important, whether we're interacting with our wives, our children, our coworkers, maybe subordinates at work, that we're called to be light and darkness everywhere we go. And oftentimes we just have to remind ourselves, just be patient. And gentleness will flow from that. It says to bear with one another. That literally means to hold each other up. You see somebody downcast, lift them, is literally what that means. And then it says forgiving. My favorite definition of forgiving is this, to be in favor of giving. That's literally what the word means when you break it down, to be in favor of giving. God was in favor of giving us freedom, release, forgiveness. We should be doing the same with those that are around us. That's just the backdrop of what Paul is going to now step into. And in three verses, he's going to say, be thankful three times. Anytime you see something mentioned often in a short window of time, you should do what? Pay attention. means he's making a point. So he starts now and he jumps into the next verses. Verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Man, I just stopped and I said, the peace of Christ. I asked God the question, how do you let the peace of Christ rule in your heart? Like, I mean, think about it practically. What do you do? Oh, yeah, you can ask for it until somebody bugs you and then it might not work. No, I just started to ask and, and God reminded me, remember what Jesus said when he was departing, my peace I give you, my peace I leave 
for you. I don't give peace as the world gives peace. So I thought, okay, this isn't like us being friendly. This is inward. This is a, a settling in my spirit that God is enthroned. Watch, this is what I really feel like God showed me, that, that peace is born out of faith. You can be in peace when you know that God is in control. Can somebody say amen to that? Because what I just said is true. You can be at peace like everything can be going nuts around you. I don't know about this. Am I going to keep my job? Are we going to have enough money for Christmas? London, you can go, wait, God settled all this. I can rest in peace in this. Let the peace of Christ rule, dominate your overall being. Man, do we need that in this season? Did you guys get uptight at the holidays? Like they're fun and they're, they're busy. And, and they're exciting because you're giving stuff and, the, and then you're spending a lot of money, so it's kind of pressure-filled. It's kind of all of it, isn't it? It's kind of all mush. Like, it's happy and sad at the same time. Some of you are like, man, you are a Scrooge. I might be. I don't know. So, but but, but this, this idea of God's peace, it, it, it really comes out of resting in who he is. It really comes out of letting him rule over, really, watch, letting him rule over your soul. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. I hope some of you guys catch this. See, God communes with us in our spirit, and our spirit should rule over our soul, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. By the way, for biblical context to that, Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God divides soul, spirit, joints, marrow, judges the attitude and tension of the heart. So, so we need to understand that when we're feeling full of pressure and out of control, what's happening is our mind, our will, and our emotions are dominating where our spirit communes with God. Now, how do you gain that? Can I tell you how I gain it? There's two things that I do when I need this. I worship, that's one of them, and I pray. By the way, when I say pray, I mean like read my Bible, pray, listen. It's kind of like I get alone with God is what I'm saying. See, sometimes we don't do that, and then what comes out of us is not very godly, amen? See, see this is let the peace of Christ rule. See, Jesus already established the peace. It's now ours to walk in it. And then Jesus said in this, he, he goes on, he says, let, it, let the, oh, I didn't drink that much coffee this morning. I don't know what's going on. Okay, so let me slow down. I'm hurrying as well. I looked at the clock and I'm hurrying. Okay, so let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Think like this also. When he's talking about one body, he's talking about the body of Christ. And he's speaking of the, the unity of believers in that, when we act unbecomingly with another person, another Christian, we're actually hurting the body of Christ. It would be like me cu cutting off my own hand because I'm mad at it because maybe it didn't work properly. Is, does that benefit me to do that? It, it doesn't. What he's saying is, like, think as somebody that you're part of something bigger than you. You are called in one body. And then he says this, and be thankful. Now, this word thankful is the word eucharisto. And, and no, I know none of you are Greek scholars, and nor am I. I just know enough to use lexicons and lexical aids. But when you look at this word, eucharisto is, is a broken-up word. You means to speak well of. Anybody ever gone to a funeral and you hear a eulogy? That means to speak good words. That's what a eulogy means. Well, eucharisto means this. It means to speak well, charisto, charis, grace. To speak well of grace. So listen, when you're being thankful, this is what you're doing. Thank you, God, that you love me, that you forgive me, that you accept me, that you bought me, that you chose me. Is anybody getting a little happy? Like he's for you. So when you're being thankful, you're not being thankful because you had a burger for lunch. That's cool. 
You're being thankful because God provided for you to have the burger or whatever it might be. I mean, I'm using a silly example. But thankfulness actually comes out of this understanding that you've got, had grace poured out on you. You're living in the grace that God gave to you. So you, Caristo, to speak well of the grace of God that has been poured out for you. And then he says, he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Okay, I've been harping on you guys, bugging you guys, encouraging you guys. Read your what? Man, I cannot emphasize it enough. Cannot emphasize it enough. I love you all. Listen to what I'm going to say. It's going to sound so direct. I don't mean it to be so direct. You will not grow up in God if you don't know the Word of God. The Word of God carries who He is, what He's about, how He behaves, His nature, His character, His desire. This is what I find when I get around people who don't read a lot of the Word. They usually are very opinionated, and they're usually very religious. Like, it's kind of weird. You're like, how does They get edgy about any time you challenge anything. But this is what I know. When you lay the word of truth over any situation of life, it clears the air. Isn't it like putting a fan in a smoky room? It just makes everything clearer, doesn't it? It's why, like, I've read all those studies at the beginning. I said, but really, they're just already discovering what God designed. They're not discovering anything new. It's actually what God had already set up. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. You have to let it rule in you, set up in you. Well, watch. I love y'all. Say, Pastor loves me. That usually means I'm about to hit you with the two by four. <laughs> Man, you would solve so many of the issues in your life if you just looked at the word. I, I look, I'm talking to me too. I'm not just talking to you. We would solve so many of the issues in our life if we just applied the word to our situations. I, I mean, they could be big situations. They could be small situations. You know, I was encouraging a, a, a colleague yesterday, and we were going back and forth, and, and, I was just, and he was asking me questions about a situation that he's in. And, and he said, I feel like I'm complaining. And I, and I said, well, because you're asking for counsel, no. I said, but if you don't do anything with the counsel I give you, then you are just complaining. <laughs> But I encouraged him an avenue, and everything I said to him, I would stick a verse into it. This is why you should do this. Because I know that my opinion is just my opinion, right? But God's word is what? Truth. It's an absolute for how we should behave, how we should conduct ourselves. So, so listen, some of you really, really need to start reading your Bibles. Now, how many of you guys have a cell phone? Yeah, everybody in the room. Not, I don't think there's a single person in the room didn't raise their hand. There's something called version. So it's free. It's free. How many of you guys use version already? Okay, good, good amount of you. That's good. You know that version. you can set up how much you want to read, how often you want to read? It'll, it'll actually pop up on your phone. You don't even have to go find it. It'll remind you, don't forget to read your plan. And you swipe into it, and you read your plan. Listen, this is what I know. If we start to hide the word of God in our heart, I mean, Dan came up to me, he goes, Psalm 119, Pastor, I wanted to say it during, during worship. If I hide my word in his heart, I won't sin against him. That's what the word of God says. So it's, a lot of times people come to me, and they go, I'm in this situation. I go, okay, you need to start putting the word of God in you. You need to have enough of it like a toolbox. You need the right tools. And when you study the word, when you memorize the word, when you put it in your heart, what will come out of you is fruitfulness instead of criticism or bitterness. Thankfulness will flow because you understand who you are and what he's done for you. And I hope that encourages you all. I don't mean it at all to be like a slam, 
but I, I do mean it to be something that pushes us toward an encouragement or, or a growth. I'm lost in my notes. Give me a second. Let me find myself. I started preaching at you. I got lost. <laughs> so, um, I'm sorry. One body, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing. See, see, when you get into the word, this is one of the byproducts of it. It'll make you smarter. It'll give you wisdom. I mean, you guys ever, ever experienced something where you didn't know what to do and you went to the word, and then all of a sudden you knew what to do? That's what the word will do. It'll teach you, which is a constant instruction. Also, it'll do this. It will admonish you, which means it'll give you a whooping. Anybody ever got a whooping when you're reading the word? Now, I like those whoopings personally because they kind of let me know exactly what God wants me to do. And he says this, though, that only shouldn't happen in you, but you should be using wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. See, see, listen, and you're thinking, what does this have to do with thankfulness? It means that we were all put together to celebrate the grace of God. And one of the ways the grace of God flows is when we function in it. We let the, the word of Christ dwell in us. Then, then we take it and we apply it with wisdom, teaching, and admonition in our own lives. Watch. And then we actually care about our brother or sister enough to encourage them and stuff. And you ever see your brother or sister in a sin? You go, ain't my problem. That's all drama stuff. I don't want to get in the middle of that. You know that that's actually a sinful response to that? You know, one of the things I appreciated about my colleague who was messaging me, he said, what do I do? And I said, here's what I recommend. And I gave him a couple of suggestions. And his response was, I can do that. But they were all scripture. They were scripture. It was encouraging him to step into the, the authority that God had positioned him with and be a, a fellow believer with another guy who was kind of mishandling something. So I was encouraging him to be loving, not critical, not demanding. L listen, let me help you. If you're going to go admonish somebody, which just means to correct them, don't walk in and go, you know what you did was stupid. It won't work. You're going to be in a fight. Walk in and say, hey, can I share something? Can, I, can we talk for a minute? Do it thoughtfully. Do it the way that you would want it done to you. This makes sense, church? Some of you are kind of like, yeah, I feel bad because people are popping in my head. And I, it's Thanksgiving, pastor. Aren't you going to be nicer than that? I am. I am. He said, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, Eucharisto in your heart. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, again, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Like this idea of thankfulness is just woven all throughout this whole idea of, watch, being a Christian. See, listen, I, I'm just becoming more and more convinced, and I'm only going to use myself as the measurement. You can apply however you want. When I look at my own life, the areas that I'm positive in are working really well. The areas that I'm negative in are not. Am I telling the truth for anybody else in the room right now? Listen, I can make it about my marriage. When I'm negative about my marriage, we don't get along very well. When I'm positive about my marriage, we get along much better. When I'm positive toward my kids, they respond to my direction, my encouragement. When I'm critical of them, yeah, I watch them. They just kind of get that stare. You, parents, you know that stare? It looks something like that. Like, is he done yet? Will he shut up? Please. See, we have to learn how to be gracious with what we're doing. And I just want to encourage you all, when I'm thankful about the opportunities, keyword, that God puts in front of me, 
then I treat them as opportunities to help people grow. But when I treat them as, why are all these problems in my life? Man, I have to deal with this person. That's just a problem. I don't need another problem. Ever said that? See, what it does is it stops us. What if we thought this way? I don't know, this is the high bar. This is the dream. What if all of us walked into every relationship, every situation, thinking there's a problem, and God has given me the privilege to help either myself or that person solve it? What a privilege. What an opportunity we get to have to invite God into the situation. Now, you're like, some of the people that we're talking about that are in my life, Pastor, aren't even believers. What greater witness could there ever be than you being light and darkness and bringing to, truth to a broken situation? Come on, church. We've got to grow up a little bit, don't we? We've got to start to learn to live with a thankful heart. Oh, man, I'm going to preach at you for a second. Just, no, I'm slamming. But seriously, we live in an affluent community. We li li listen, the homes around here start at a half a million dollars and go up from there. There is nobody in this room that is struggling to eat. I can tell you all look like me, okay? None of you are starving. We're all eating well. We're dressed well. We drive nice cars, most of us. I mean, th there is, we are not struggling. Nothing in our lives is bringing us face-to-face -face with menial needs. Like all of you are going to eat today multiple times. You are. You're not going to struggle to make ends meet. And that means that we should be saying, thank you, God. But watch, watch. This is what I've watched. This is what I've watched. We get kind of this thing going on. Thank you, God, but I wish I had their stuff, their house, their job, their money, their things. Come on, this happened to us? We start to covet other people's stuff. So, so this is what, what I want to do as we start to pull this together, we start to close this up. I want to give you all an opportunity to practice what we read at the beginning, this idea that when we are thankful, when we're thankful, that it changes our overall demeanor, our overall spirit is conformed into God's likeness because thankfulness is wired into how God made us. He wants us to be what? Thankful. He wants us to be thankful. So listen, I want to do something where I give you all an opportunity to actually be thankful. So Kevin, why don't you come up Bring the worship team with you, and we're going to wrap up. And I, I want to just share a couple thoughts as they're getting up here and getting ready to do it. Um, and then I also wanted to ask, could I get a couple, um, Gonzalo, if you would, and then uh, who else? Come on, my brother. Papa. Just pass one out to each person. Now, I have to apologize for these. They're not pretty like my office staff would make. I did this this morning. Okay, so it's pastor-esque, it's black and white with lines. Okay, and we do have pens available as well, but what I wanna do is I wanted you to have the opportunity to state three statements of thankfulness. Three of them, just three. Now, maybe you're one of those people who's like, you're gooey and you wanna be thankful for everything, and that's cool. If you wanna write on the back, have a ball. But I want you to do this. I want you to write what you're thankful for. And this is out of the ordinary. I don't normally do stuff like this. So if you're visiting, I love you. But if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. Actually, if none of you actually want to bring it up, you don't have to. I just want to give you the opportunity to write down what you're thankful for. Now listen, I, I want to frame this up a little bit when I'm saying I want you to write down what you're thankful for. Some of you 
need to be thankful for things that are not the way you want them yet. You hear what I just said? Like, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to be thankful, for instance, that our credit card doesn't exist anymore. It's paid off. Praise God. But what about something that is not the way that you want it to be? What about something that you're praying for, but it calls for thankfulness to watch God move into it? To watch God either shape your heart or your direction? Does this make sense? So listen, if all you want to do is put great things, I love my kids, thankful for my kids, I'm thankful for my wife, I'm thankful for tacos, I'm thankful. Whatever, that's fine. But I'm trying to compel you to think through some of the areas that you're challenged, that are actually a struggle. You know, I know this, we head into the holidays and some of you are going to go to family situations that are not ideal. Some of you are going to go to family situations where there's breaches and fractures, where there's not good relationship and, and it's not easy to go. But I want you to, to put some of that as a possibility that God could show up in it. Because I know this, that when you're thankful for that brother or sister, aunt or uncle, that maybe is difficult in your life, if you find the thing that is God's fingerprint in them, it'll change the way that you think about them. You know, a wise person said to me once, he said, if you don't have a heart for something, start to pray for it. And it'll change your heart for it. So if you don't have a heart for people in your family, start to pray for them. Listen, that one applies to me. We have a couple of family things that are weird. They're not smooth. And I find myself just not wanting to, I just want to avoid them. I'm not mad at anybody. You know what I mean? I feel like, better left alone and and I was challenged to say will you pray about the opportunity or possibility of interacting with them and I thought okay I'll do that because of what I'm talking to you about this morning just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that my life is removed from what I encourage you in. amen we all face these challenges but I do know this that I want to walk in a way that my heart is full of gratefulness and thankfulness I want to walk in a way that honors Jesus whether it's in the, the really successful relationships in my life or whether it's in the ones that, I, that are difficult or strained. So I want you to take a moment. I want you to write. If you want to write more, that's fine. So just take a minute and do that. And when you're done, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing one song. And I'm actually going to dismiss you guys on time this week. Can you imagine that? So go ahead, take a moment. If you need a pen, slip your hand up. We can get pens to you. Who's got the bucket of pens?
I want to read to you Psalm 105. It reads like this. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And just an interesting little nuance that I discovered in the Old Testament that it's very rare to see the word thanks and Lord not together in the Old Testament. Anytime there was thankfulness, it was always a sign God's direction. It says, Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonders, which he has done, his marvels, and the judgments that he's uttered from his mouth. So if you're comfortable, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to come and just drop those in the box up front. And then we're going to sing a song and go home. And the reason I want you to do that is sometimes when we do something out of the ordinary, we just take a step that's out of the ordinary. Normally, we wouldn't walk up front. Normally, I don't put a basket and say, drop this in the basket. I just want you to step out of your seat, walk up and say, this is my thanks offering to God. I'm just grateful for him in my life. I'm grateful for the challenges, knowing that he can show up in the challenges. You're committing those things to him either in honor and worship or a desire to have him come into those situations. And again, if you're not comfortable getting out of your seat, please don't feel any uh, push or compulsion to do that. But I wanna ask you if you would just come and drop them in the box. So now I want you guys to join me in praying, and then we're going to stand and worship one song together and go home. So I know that this represents a lot of stuff, things that you are truly grateful for, and things that you need to see God impact in your lives. I know that that's shown here. So join me. Let's pray over these. Father, we want to thank you that there can be transparency of heart, honesty, that our, our thanks is really thanksgiving to you. It's the Eucharist. It's the celebration of your grace in our lives. And God, it's also this, it's the invitation of grace into things that we want to see you touch and move in. So God, we commit our hearts to you. Say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. 
Thank you for shedding your blood for my life. Thank you for going into the grave, and more importantly, thank you for conquering death, ascending to the right hand of the Father, seated in authority that rules over our lives. Thank you for all of that. Words can't express truthfully just how grateful we are. But God, we commit these to you, both in a, an expression of worship and a calling into circumstances that need to grow and change. Thank you, God. Thank you. Let's stand together. Let's stand. Let's worship one song, and I will send you home. Let's, let's go. And I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. Come on, church. Come on. And I was breathing, but not alive. In all my failures, I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. Cause when you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave Of the darkness into your glorious head. Sing now your mercy. Now your mercy has saved my soul. And now your freedom is all that I know. The old may new. Jesus, when I met you, cause when you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. So God, we are thankful this morning for your life and ours. And as we go today, God, we just pray that we go with your favor, your, your faithfulness, which is always there, but let us recognize it. Let us see it. And God, I pray that you would raise up thanksgiving and thankful hearts in each one of us. Help us to see with your eyes. That's what I ask for, Jesus. Because we can look so humanly when you ask us to look with divine vision with your eyes. So God, help us to do that. We pray your hand on each one of our lives. We ask this all in Jesus' name. 
Amen, amen, amen. God